Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast. Man, it has been too long. Not by design. Uh, We had not recorded a podcast in a few months. Uh, We thought we would be back in the studio uh, recording consistently uh, this fall after sort of a, a busy summer of travel, but that's not what happened. Uh, so here we are today. Um, I'm sorry you've been, if you've been missing us. I've heard from several of you. Thank you for reaching out. Um, you know, we came back from the summer and jumped right back into the school year with our kids. And I thought things would sort of fall back into a, a routine, but um, it's been a little different. You know, we got two teenagers now, more activities going on. We I, I manage this podcast, you know, all the technical stuff alone. We don't have any help with it. So it is quite a bit of work and time. Um, we had some travel, more travel this fall. And also uh, we've been dealing with uh, just helping my dad. Uh, he, he has dementia. Many of you know that. We are in the process of moving my parents uh, right down the street from us. They live here in Myrtle Beach. Um, my dad has been preaching the word for many years. A lot of you have uh, listened to him preach. He's traveled the world. He's written books, him and my mom together, but uh, he's dealing um, with dementia. And so um, we they sold their house a few, just a few weeks ago, a month ago, and bought a house right down the street from us. And we're in the process of renovating that house and hopefully in a few weeks, they'll be living right down the street, uh, a little closer, uh, a lot closer. So just dealing with life uh, this fall. Um, Some good, some challenging, uh, all of the above. And this scripture comes to mind, and maybe you've been there too this fall. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, after he talked about people turning their ears away from the truth, and turning aside to myths. Um, And earlier he talked about there there being terrible times in the last days. (laughs) But then he says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. As I get a little older... Words like these are becoming more meaningful to me. You know, here's our brother Paul writing a letter to his protege, his friend and his partner in the gospel, younger partner, junior partner, Timothy. This is later in Paul's life. He's in prison, as as he often was. And... I believe here that Paul is not the same man that we met back in Acts chapter 9 in his earlier days when he had just moved from being the persecutor to the great proclaimer. Now he's the persecuted and he's the preacher, the old persevering preacher. And uh, I have a feeling he's older when he wrote this, he's older than I am now. I'm, I'm 42 years old, so I'm, I still feel like in many ways a young man. 
but I'm not as young as I was before. You know, it was 20 years ago that I was 22. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing, Paul, I don't know. I, I suspect he was 60, I don't know, when he wrote this. Perhaps Timothy was my age when he received this letter. And, um, and I think Paul is, is, is reflective. And he, he's sending this letter. And I, I want to talk today about Paul and about some lessons from the book of Second Timothy that have been just, you know, things that I've been dealing with, things that I've been learning. Uh, share a few things with you today, just trying to get, get back into the podcast. Um, I've got several lessons, talks, sermons that I've shared with the church here in Myrtle Beach over the past few months that I, I'd like to share with, with you guys. Um, I want to get back in here. I hope to be more consistent. And these are some of the things that have been pinging around in my brain, in my heart. Learning to endure hardship. You know, keeping my head in all situations. Continuing to discharge all the duties of my ministry. Doing the work of evangelist. Man, it ain't easy to make it to the end, is it? To stay faithful to the end. Well, I don't know what you've been dealing with. Man, life is interesting because it's there's so much good. There's beautiful moments. There's wonderful moments. We just had a, a little in-town church retreat about a week and a half ago, and we all sat around a bonfire by the ocean and sang songs and you know looked at the Bible and shared our hearts with each other and, and grilled food and Man, it was wonderful. It was this beautiful moment. We all played football out on the beach, and it was awesome. But then I'm I'm helping my mom, you know, moving my her and my dad, and um, and that's hard. And um, I'm I'm helping my son to make his decision about making Jesus Lord and becoming a disciple himself, coming to his own faith, and that's exciting, but but hard too, right? I mean, there's just Life, man, good grief. It's, it just keeps going. Ferris Bueller, right? Life's, life moves pretty fast. Um, he was right. He was a prophet. Um, so I, I found myself just being very reflective. All right. And, um, let, let, let's just look together at, uh, some, some lessons from our, uh, this, this persevering preacher, Paul, here later in his life. All right, I hope this encourages you. Second Timothy chapter one. Let's just let's just jump in here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I love how he addresses Timothy. He says, you know, you're, you're my dear son. Not just to Timothy the evangelist, not just to Timothy, my son of the faith, but Timothy, my dear son. He goes on, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did. You know, as you get older, you think more about your ancestors and, and your place <laughs> in your family line. <laughs> it's not something you think about much when you're younger, but you do. Paul's thinking about that. He says, I serve him with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you, Timothy, in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. 
I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Um, when I shared this lesson with, with the church here in Myrtle Beach earlier this fall, I, I actually did a whole lesson first about Timothy. Um, and, and then what I'm going to share with you today, I talked about Paul. Things we learned from this letter first about Timothy, then about Paul. But, you know, I'll have to come back and share another time with you about Timothy because I just want to share about Paul today. But I, I just suffice it to say, I think you, we learn a few things about the young man Timothy and about his relationship with Paul, his father in the faith. Paul says, I, I recall your tears. I recall your tears. I remember your faith, and it's the faith of your grandma, your your, your grandmother, your mima. <laughs> I had a mima. Um, and and Paul, Paul remembers her by name and his mother by name. I think Paul knew Timothy. I think he had had meals that, that that Lois and Eunice had prepared for him when he was in town spending time with Timothy in his house. I think these two had history. I think Timothy was a sensitive soul, a timid soul, but who, who I think had been largely raised and influenced by women. But Paul came into his life and became a father figure. And he went from timid to triumphant. Timid Timothy to triumphant Timothy, a, pro a proclaimer of the gospel like Paul, a leader of the church in Ephesus, which legend says was tens of thousands of disciples. But we're talking about Paul today. We're turning our attention to the example of Paul, the aging, embattled evangelist, the persevering preacher. And he goes on, he says in first, uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I think they both remembered the day when Paul and the elders had laid hands on this man, this young man, and, and sent him out as a proclaimer of the gospel. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed. Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He says, do not be ashamed. This will become a theme of the letter. If you go back and read 1 Timothy, his, his earlier letter to Timothy, you're going to see this again and again. Timothy, don't be ashamed. Proclaim the gospel. Command and teach people to follow Jesus. Go over to chapter 2, verse 14. Let's just read this section together. And the first thing I think we learn from Paul, the persevering preacher, <laughs> is we need to be unashamed, but never argumentative. As Paul is reflecting on his life and writing to Timothy, he's sharing with us something we all need to learn as we go through life and as, as our faith ages and as we age. We need to be 
unashamed, but never argumentative. 2 Timothy 2, verse 14, he says, Timothy, I want you to keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words because it's of no value. It only ruins those who listen. So do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter. This is so timely for us today. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. He's calling people out by name, y'all. Hymenaeus and Philetus. Imagine how they felt when they, hey, did you guys hear that you made the letter? Um, who have departed from the truth. They say the resurrection has already taken place. They destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. You know, God knows. God knows those who are His. We don't have to figure it all out. God knows. He goes on, skipping ahead. Verse 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance. God will grant them repentance. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Y'all, this is so helpful for the days we live in. All right, let's just keep reading. They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Unashamed, but never argumentative. Over and over, Paul is urging Timothy, do not be ashamed, nor be argumentative. I tell you what, as Christians today, these words I just read, you you might be wise to read over these, thoughtfully study them out, because we're going to have to figure this one out. We cannot compromise on holiness and righteousness and biblical truth, but we must not stoop down into the mud of quarreling. It's, it's an interesting time we live in, this sort of postmodern, post-Christian worldview time that we've, you know, I, I, it feels like the past few years we have swiftly vaulted forward as a society, and we are, we are in a different place. And so as, as disciples of Jesus, as, as the holders to the word, <laughs> we are swimming upstream. We swim against the current. And when you move against a strong current— let me tell you, it's tiring. And if you're not careful, you'll look up and be far from home, far from biblical truth. It's like when I'm going out surfing and there's a strong current, like I, I've surfed a couple of hurricanes this uh, this fall, 
Um, that's one thing I was out doing instead of doing podcasts. <laughs> um, and, and there's these strong currents. And if you don't take, take a look at the beach and, and stay there, you'll look up and be like a mile down the shore. And it's so difficult. You're paddling against the current. Guys, we are paddling against the current. And so that, that tiredness that you feel sometimes, that's part of what it's coming from is we, we, we're working against the current. We're teaching truth. We're following truth. We had, in one of the big storms we had this fall, um, we had this huge rain and our, our street flooded. And this has happened in the past. And sure enough, we look out the window and we see that a neighbor, uh, poor, poor woman, she drove her little SUV and thought she could go right around the curve in front of our house. And people don't realize that it's like one feet, two feet deep as it, as it goes around the, the curve here. And she flooded her car and she went right into the current and she got stuck. And we look out and we see her trying to push her car by herself out of the water. She was actually succeeding. It was pretty impressive. So, you know, we run out there and we help her push it out of the water. And, you know, um, she was fine. I, I hate to say, I, I think her car was probably not fine. Her engine, uh, I think, was flooded pretty bad. But guys, that's us. Be careful. Be careful. Trying to go through the current. We must be unashamed of Bible truth, even when we're swimming upstream, but we must not be argumentative. We must not stoop down into the mud of quarreling. These are wise, sage words from, from the old preacher here, from Paul. But he's got more on his mind. 2 Timothy chapter 3, picking up in verse 10. He says, you, Timothy, you, however, you know all about my teaching. You know about my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. You know it, Timothy. All, what kinds of things happened to me back in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, all these cities, all the cities we learned about in the book of Acts, all the places he went. He says, you know the stories, Timothy. You were with me for some of them. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, how from infancy you know the Holy Scriptures, you know, Eunice and Lois, they taught you, and then I taught you. These Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing, his kingdom, I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. We're living it. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from truth. They'll turn aside to myths. But you, 
Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the faith. I finished, I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know, the second thing Paul wants to share with us here is we're persecuted, but always preaching. First, unashamed, but never argumentative, but second, persecuted, but always preaching. He talks over and over, you know, we're persecuted. I've suffered, I've endured. But keep preaching, preach the word, Timothy, in season, out of season. You know, it's hard when it feels like no one wants what you're offering. Have you ever had a sales job or some type of job like that? I mean, you know, it's hard to feel my, my, my brother, man, he's, he's, he's a salesman. He's, he's, he's a hardworking man. I mean, sales is tough. It's hard when it feels like no one, you know, we're trying to preach the word, but does, do you ever feel like no one wants the good news, the gospel, what you're offering? Paul mentions all these cities. Hey, you know, you, you've heard about when I went to Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, He's like, man, I, I, go, go read the stories. Go back in Acts and check it out. Each city, I mean, he tended to get run out of these cities, often beat, times beat up. But guess what? In every one of these cities, in each city he went to, people became Christians. In, in each of those cities, even when people rejected him and the cities turned on him, there were souls, there were individuals. I remember our campus ministry days at the University of South Carolina. Lisa and I were leading the campus work there. And it was our early days. And um, we, we were going into this one particular dorm. It was the honors dorm. And um, we went in to, to start a, a, a Bible discussion group there on, I think it was on Tuesday nights. Um, and, you know, first, first week or so, we're, we're reaching out, we're sharing our faith. And let me tell you, it felt like an unopened city. <laughs> it felt like these honors kids, man, they were snooty. They were arrogant. <laughs> they didn't want what we were selling. They didn't want the gospel. They were too good for it. They had it together, you know? And I felt like, man, I felt like, I don't think I'm welcome here. So I believe it was the first night we were finally having our our our, our Bible talk or soul talk, whatever we were calling it back then. And, and I'm like, I don't know if anybody's going to come. And well, lo and behold, you know, two two people showed up. I think it was just two. And it was uh, this guy named Eric, and this girl named Katie, freshman. And um, both of them became disciples of Jesus. They were both baptized. <laughs> Eric recently moved to Myrtle Beach with his family, his his wife and their son to help us with the church here. Katie's Katie went on to marry one of my best friends from my college days at UGA. Her husband Ryan, he's actually coming in town. I'm actually he's actually supposed to be here in 45 minutes. He's spending the night here tonight. He's he's stopping through town. <laughs> you know, that dorm felt so unopen to the gospel. But 
Ryan and Kate, uh, um, Eric and Katie, they were open. You know, Paul talks about with great patience and careful instruction, Timothy, preach the word. It takes a lot of patience. It takes careful instruction. I want to urge us, get back into the mission, studying the Bible with people with great patience, careful instruction, building those relationships, teaching people how to follow Jesus. Don't get into the arguments. Go make disciples. We will be persecuted. But we must always be preaching in season and out of season. Maybe we're out of season. Maybe we're just out of practice. Maybe we got tired of persecution or the fear of persecution. Brothers and sisters, Paul understands. He knew. He was persecuted, but always preaching. There's one more thing I learned from, from my brother Paul here that I hope will encourage you guys. It's been encouraging me. Look in 2 Timothy, moving on to chapter 4. You know, he had just talked about, there. you know, I finished the race. I've kept the faith. There's in store for me this crown of righteousness. He'll award it to me on that day. To all of us who long for his appearing. He goes on in chapter 4, verse 9. He says, hey, Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone on to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me now. Go get Mark, bring him with you. He's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus over to Ephesus, which is actually, I think, where, where Timothy was, incidentally. He was probably sending him to with this letter. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus over there at Troas. Bring my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, he did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You two should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side. He gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. He'll bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus, he stayed in Corinth. I left Trophimus. He was sick back in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, so do Putin's, Lydens, Linus, Claudia, all the brothers and sisters. Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. The last thing I'm, that I think is on Paul's heart, he was alone. He felt alone, but no, never abandoned. Unashamed, but never argumentative, that's Paul. Persecuted, but always preaching but also alone, but never abandoned. We've been watching this show on the History Channel with my kids called Alone. They drop these people off in the middle of nowhere, out in the wilderness. And it's crazy. You have to survive. And it's not just nature that gets these people. It's the being alone part. Here's Paul. He says, do your best to get here before winter. 
and bring my cloak and my parchment. See, I think Paul, I think he's he's an older man. Winter's coming. He's he's in some kind of prison or house arrest. It's getting cold. He he he's getting old. He needs his, he need, he needs something to keep him warm. He, he I think many people think maybe he went blind. His eyes are going bad. He wants to his parchments so someone he can read them or someone can read them to him. Probably some old scrolls and teachings. You know, um, I think Paul's heart was a bit bruised and beat up by people, yet still pumping for Jesus. He says, Demas Demas has left me. He abandoned me. He deserted me. He loved this world. You can go read about Demas. He pops up in a couple other letters as one of Paul's companions, one of his preaching partners. But here, in this later letter, we find that Demas didn't last. He deserted. Other people got sick. Other people had to go get sent out on other missions. Other people like Alexander, he says, he did me a great deal of harm and you need to watch out because he's coming for you next, Timothy. You can go read about Alexander the metal worker. If he apparently has been a nemesis of Paul for a long time, go read about him back in the book of Acts. How about Hymenaeus and Philetus? We already learned about them. Spreading false teachings. We know that other, other even fellow brothers and sisters, even fellow preachers, were like competitive with Paul. He says, at my first offense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against him, but God stood at my side. And I'll be delivered from the lion's mouth. The lion was a, a symbol for the Roman Empire. He says, I'm, I'm a slave. I'm a, I'm a prisoner of the Roman Empire, but God will deliver me from them. Because Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. He says, I've always got a friend in Jesus. Now, there were still some people with him. He says Luke was with him. The old doctor, he needed a doctor. My dad always said, you know, Paul, Paul, he needed a doctor to travel with him. He was always getting hurt, getting beat up. I think that's one reason he was like, Timothy, please come see me. I miss you. I don't know how long I have. And I feel alone. And I need to see a friend. Guys, sometimes it's hard to stay faithful. It's hard to keep preaching when you feel alone, but you're never abandoned. God is with you. There are faithful brothers and sisters. There are friends. Lately, I've, I've just, man, I've been missing. I've had several friends, dear friends, pass away from cancer. I've had... My losing, you know, my dad's dealing with dementia. I've had many friends walk away from the faith over the years. A number of friends have had to move away from Myrtle Beach, dear friends and partners in the gospel. I relate. I relate to this. I've been reading Paul's words here. Can you relate? Do you feel that? Some of you, maybe you don't. Some of you do. But I noticed something about Paul that I want to encourage you with. As I read through this letter, particularly the end of this letter, Paul, you know, he always talks a lot about Jesus. He's always like, you know, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Christ, and in the name of Jesus, it's always like, it's almost like a tick with Paul. Like he always says the name, the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. But I notice, especially at the end of this letter, he uses the phrase, my Lord, the Lord, way more often than the actual name of Jesus. I noticed that. 
That stood out to me because I've dwelled a lot on Paul's letters. I've memorized this letter back when I was a teenager. And then I memorized Philippians in college. And that's something you, you know, you notice. And the Lord, he kept saying, the Lord, the Lord will deliver me. The Lord. And I'm like, well, why isn't he using the name of Jesus? He usually says Jesus or Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. I was just pondering it. No, I don't know, guys. I'm always trying to get into Paul's head here and, and Timothy's head. And I thought, well, I noticed back in chapter 2, verse 21, he said something. He said, uh, you know, we'll be wholly useful to the master. And I noticed earlier in chapter 2, he talked about, you know, we serve our commanding officer. I was thinking about the Lord. Lord means master, commander. And I'm wondering if Paul is recognizing that sometimes as a Christian, as a disciple, as a preacher, you just show up and report for duty to Jesus as Lord. It's not always warm and fuzzy. It's not always, you know, praising Jesus with the band and and you're feeling so good about your Christianity. But you respect him. You honor him, you trust him, and you serve him as master and commander, as Lord and Christ. Sometimes you just obey orders from your commander because you, you respect him and he's out leading the charge in front of you and he says, jump, you say how high. I don't know. I don't know. But I I think this letter, there's a lot going on in our brother Paul's heart and mind. He finished the race. He kept the faith. I think he's thinking that the end is coming. Need a sip of coffee. You need some coffee? Let's have a sip and then bring it in for a landing here. In chapter 2, verse 8, remember, I gotta, I gotta read this. He says, Timothy, uh, remember Jesus Christ. Remember, remember our captain. Remember our Lord. Remember our master, our commander. Remember him. He goes out ahead of us. It says, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Brother, sister, are you disowning him? Are you keeping quiet? Are you tiring out? Or are you enduring hardship? Will you die with him? Will you live for him? 
Will you be unashamed but never argumentative in these turbulent times? Are you willing to be persecuted but always preaching? Do you feel alone? Then know you're never abandoned by your captain, your Lord. A disciple is someone who would live and die with Jesus. Just because he's Jesus, our Lord, our captain. I leave you with the words of the poet Walt Whitman. Oh, captain, my captain, our fearful trip is done. I think Paul could have written these words. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near. The bells I hear. The people all exulting. While follow eyes the steady keel. The vessel grim and daring. The ship is anchored safe and sound. Its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip, the victor ship comes in with object one. Exult, O shores, and ring, O bells. But I, with mournful tread, walk the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. Our captain, Jesus Christ, he was the same captain that Paul had, that Paul served. Our captain fell, but he rose again. And we will serve him until our ship is anchored, safe and sound, our voyage closed and done, and the prize we sought is won. the Lord today, for he is all my hope and stay. I got his good, his name is great, hallelujah.